Hi, I'm Val Hart in San Antonio, Texas, founder of Val Hart and Friends at ValHart.com. Welcome to The Real Dr. Doolittle Show, the show for animals and the people who love them. I've been called a real-life Dr. Doolittle many times in my career as an expert animal communicator, behaviorist, pet psychic, and master healer. My mission and passion is to improve the lives of animals the world over by helping humans learn how to speak their language, how to understand their viewpoints, and heal. After all, our love of animals helps us be better humans, and the more balanced and healthy we are, the more balanced and healthy they can be, too. Be sure and look for my CDs on iTunes, and to find out more about my work and to receive your free Quick Start Animal Talk course, just go to my website at valhart.com. While you're there for a limited time, you can also apply for a complimentary Happy Animal Assessment Session. And if you want to learn how to be your own Dr. Doolittle, check out the world's first complete animal communication made easy system available now on my website at valhart.com. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Val Hart, the real Dr. Doolittle, and today I'm here talking with Carol Lee Benjamin. She is the award-winning author of nine books about dog behavior and training, including Mother Knows Best, Secondhand Dog, and one of my favorites, Dog Training in 10 Minutes, as well as the Seamus Award-winning Rachel Alexander and Dash Mystery Series, which I have enjoyed over the years. She has also been awarded the Dog Writers of America's highest honor, the Distinguished Service Award for Extraordinary Achievement and Communications Excellence. And in 2003, she was elected to the Hall of Fame of the International Association of Canine Professionals for a lifetime of dedication to dogs and their training. Uh, she has a brand new book out called, on Border Collies called Do Border Collies Dream of Sheep? It's her latest book co-written with Denise Wall. Welcome, Carol Lee Benjamin. I'm so glad you're here talking with me today. Thank you, Val. I'm happy to be here. I, well, I, you were, you know, you've long been a favorite of mine, and I use your book, ten, Dog Training in 10 Minutes a Day, for my own dog, and I use it when I consult with my clients, and, you know, I think it, I, I just love your approach. You make, you break dog training down into such simple, easily understood, um, ways to deal with all the different things that our our canine pals need to learn and know, you know. I, and yeah, yeah. I'm so glad to hear you say that because most people talk about mother knows best, and yeah. and I think dog training in ten minutes is the easiest book for someone to use and follow. I just recommended to someone who wrote me who's. 12-year-old son is going to train a brand-new dog. They oh, get cool, in. cool. And I, it, what's great about the book <clears throat> is just from observing people and the way they are with dogs, I understood that not everybody wants to go as far as I want to go. Mm-hmm. And so it's broken down into what you what you have to do, like the dog has to be housebroken, the dog has to have a couple of basic commands, yeah. and then it goes on. Like if you want to go a little further, it's the sensible things to do yes. um, as you go along. And and it's one of my favorites because of that. Yes. Yes, and I, I love it too. Partly, you know why? This was why I like it. <laughs> Most people that have dogs and they talk, you know, you talk to them about training and they go, oh, I just don't have time. My schedule's so busy and it's a ba-ba-ba-ba and, you know, and to take all that time, I'm going, what do you mean time? <laughs> We're not talking a great deal of time. And in fact, if you're doing an hour of training a day or more, you're probably boring your dog to tears. 
So, you know, it, it's it's little things all it may be stressing. It may be stressing the dog, too, exactly. unless the dog is already well-trained and yeah. is going through a routine. Right. Um, if the dog's learning something new, an hour is way too long, and a half an hour can be way too long. Right, right. Um, uh, but what's interesting is that at some point in my life when I was training other people's dogs, I don't do that anymore now, awesome. um, I... I had a lot of friends who were dog trainers, mm -hmm. and they all really worked this way. In other words, whenever there was an opportunity, mm -hmm. they would reinforce a command or use a command or or teach a dog something, right. but they wouldn't take the dog out for like a half an hour practice session. They never had a half an hour. Yeah, never. You don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> so in other words, if you practice sit right before you put the food bowl down uh -huh, uh -huh. or right before you play a game or something like that, this is this is absolutely great. Yeah, and it's a it's a an easy way to train a dog, and everybody has a minute, even if they yes. don't have thirty minutes. That's right. I I, I tell people uh, may have gotten this from you. You're either training or untraining your dog. <laughs> you didn't get it from me. I'll, I'll steal. I'll steal it from you. Okay, you're welcome to it. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, and this is that you know when I work with my I have a miniature a not so miniature Schnauzer Einstein, and um, he everything I've trained him you know I've done. Uh, using some of your guidelines, um, and you know he's learned the most amazing things in five minutes or less. He's earned his name. <laughs> yes, he's, he's a good. very smart dog. Maybe maybe good. he's a smart mommy. Either that, yes. or we're both. <laughs> well, of course, too well now, together. now all the publicity is going to border collies as the smartest dog. Yeah. Uh -huh. And when people ask me, because I have a border collie, yeah. when people ask me, you know, or say that's the smartest dog, or ask me if if it is the smartest dog, mm -hmm. my answer is always it depends what you want to do if i was yeah. if i were going out hunting rabbits i'd want a beagle <laughs> i wouldn't <laughs> want a border collie so and th Probably this really <laughs> this has very much to do with the way of you dogs in general and that is that they're all shaped by their work function yes even okay. if they don't have jobs now uh -huh. that's the blueprint that shaped even mixed breed dogs they just get a couple of different ones mixed in there uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and that's what you have to understand working with a dog, and that's really a lot of what informs the new book. It is it is about Border Collies, but it's also about dogs in general and how they evolve from the the wild wolf to become the domestic dog and how they brought with them the, the instincts and traits and talents that the that the wolf has in order to survive and how they use those things differently in order to survive with human beings. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Okay, so let's talk about the book. Okay. Uh, the, the title again is Do Border Collies Dream of Sheep? So, the, so the title could also be Do Beagles Dream of Rabbits? <laughs> <laughs> in, in other words, it's the title means something specific, but it also means something more general in terms of dogs. Uh -huh. And that is, you know, the the relationship they have to the traits they inherited and the and the ability to work that they inherited mm -hmm. and how they uh, learned to to use these traits and sometimes how they use them on their own mm -hmm. when we don't teach them things. Well, and they're, they're always using them on their own, whether we yes. give them the right direction. Now, my my first, I have Crohn's disease, oh. and I use a service dog for Crohn's disease. Wow. There are very few people who do that, I think, to this day still. I'm hoping this book will let more people know that they can, and not only with Crohn's, but with other 
of what they call the invisible disabilities. In other words, you, you can't see with the naked eye unless the naked eye is, is reading your, your health record, <laughs> and uh-huh. then you could see it. Yeah. But um, my first dog was a mixed breed named Dexter, mm-hmm. who I borrowed initially from the ASPCA in New York City to go on television and promote a different book. And the book was called The Chosen Puppy, and that was to tell people how they can get the right adopt the right puppy from a shelter, not just one that looked cute, but one that would grow up to have the right energy level for them and one that would be as affectionate as they cared for and trainable and, and all those good things. So I I borrowed a shelter puppy. The minute I saw him I knew that he wasn't going back. That he was <laughs> he was staying with me and I can't even tell you when he started working because he started working really early on and I had no idea all my life I felt better when I'm with my dog so I didn't really look at it as to see that he was doing something specific that he knew exactly what he was doing that he knew exactly when I was in pain and he knew when the pain went away and so when I was in pain he would come and he would press himself against me and um, the ASPCA had told me he looked like a little Jack Russell mix. Mm-hmm. And they said he'd probably be like a 13 or 15 pound dog. Yeah. And when he when he topped out, he weighed 84 pounds. Oh my God! You kidding? <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as a friend with a smooth smooth fox terrier who lived around the corner at the time, he also looked like he could be part smooth. Oh. My friend said, that's the biggest smooth I've ever seen. Oh, my God, that's amazing. So so there was a furnace against me. Uh And I thought for many, many years that what was helping the pain go away was just this heat of his body. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until the second service dog, who was my first border collie, Uh because I figured I can't find another Dexter. I don't know what's in there. Probably Bull Terrier or Pitbull and God knows what else. And so I figured if the dog has to figure out how to help me himself, then I better get a smart dog. And um, there are many smart dogs, but some, uh, like Dobermans, who are brilliant, would be poor service dogs because people are afraid of them. Ah. And if you want access and you want to take a dog on a plane and into a restaurant, Mm. it's not a good idea to have a dog that people are terrified of because you're not going to get access that way even if the law says you should. It makes it much tougher. Yes, you're right. Um, so I I got a border collie, and while I had my my first border collie, Flash, who was a big part of this story, um, because he taught my current border collie, Sky, the job, which was yes. amazing. But uh, during the time I had Flash, I started to realize that it wasn't just the heat and the, just the comfort knowing my dog was there, that something else was happening. And what was happening is that my dog was changing my body chemistry. Wow. And that's what was making the pain go away. So in other words, this could work for um, many disabilities, not just the one that I have, to help people. What happens, they're studying all these things now. The, the, the hormone that makes mothers and babies bond, oxytocin, mm-hmm. is the same hormone that's, that happens when, or that is released, I should say, when you pet a dog. Wow. And it's released in the person and the dog. So I used to think this was charity when Dexter was helping me, and it's not charity. <laughs> it's like everything else between dogs and people. It's, it's totally mutual. Right. 
Right. The fun, the fun, you know, the work, everybody does everything. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we're all connected. I, I call that the human animal body mind connection. It's where, where we link up and Perfect, share yes. energy, share, like you said, share body chemistry. We affect each other. We react to each other. We carry each other's stress and illnesses. We, you know, it's a very deep energetic connection. It's interesting that you mentioned stress because one of the things I always write about uh, for service dogs of any kind, mm-hmm. as even the the most traditional is the service dogs for the blind, they absorb quite a bit of stress. Yeah. And it's very, very important for these dogs to have time off and time to run and time to play or companionship. And the second dog we have, actually, we got for Sky, for my service dog. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's her dog. Yes. <laughs> And believe me, she acts like it's her dog. <laughs> She's so bossy, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Okay. Um. So, so tell us more about the book itself. I, it said, you said it's a, the true story, a true story of how the two litter mates grew up and grew into their jobs. The so one became a sheepdog and the other a service dog. Right. So, what, I, I was looking for uh, when a service dog gets to be, depending on the breed and the health of the dog, et cetera, et cetera, and how the dog is relating to his work or her work, when they get to be nine or ten, you should be starting to train another dog. Now, unlike dogs for the blind or dogs for the deaf or dogs who help people in wheelchairs, if you have a disability that the dog is reacting to, you cannot get the dog trained by a school because what would the dog react to? Mm-hmm. So the way they're trained is you get them when they're very young and you train them the way you would train a, a pet that you wanted really, really well trained. In other words, so that they... They will behave properly when they're taken out in public. They'll behave properly in a restaurant. They they actually disappear for the most part. Mm-hmm. When we're in a restaurant with with two dogs, that's an, a separate interview. <laughs> we're in a restaurant with with uh, with two dogs. Unless someone sees us walk in or walk out, they have no idea there are dogs there. Wow. Um, the dogs just kind of disappear under the table or lie next to the chair. So this is the kind of training that 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 you have to do with a puppy plus a wonderful socialization which every dog should have so uh-huh. that the dog is blasé when he's out in the world mm-hmm. and then you have to be with the dog 24/7 yeah. and by being with the dog 24/7 you become really really part of the dog's pack yeah. and what's natural for them is to care for the pack yeah so the so the the ability they have that they inherited from the wild wolf is now used not only to help their own kind, other dogs, mm-hmm. um, if they're living with other dogs, but to help the rest of their pack, the mixed species packs, which is humans. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize until I had my second service dog that it's the most natural thing in the world for a dog to do this. Wow. It's not freaky. It's not unusual. It's not that I had the most talented dog in the world. Of course uh-huh. I did, but... Yeah, wow. <laughs> but uh <laughs> But they're all the most talented dogs in the world. And I hear from people all the time who have pets that when, I'm sure you've heard this a billion times, when they have the flu, the dog just lies next to them in bed mm-hmm. yes. and, and attends to them and doesn't demand the games and the play and the big long walks that they get when you're feeling okay. Yeah. So this is something really, some dogs I'm sure do it better than others. But this is something that any dog can do, really, and it's very natural for them to do that, is to 
is to do things for the survival of the pack. Oh, I like this very, very <laughs> So, and this is, of course, when when the tamest wolves started hanging around near our hairy ancestors because um, it was safer and easier for them to pick up leftovers mm-hmm. and eat them than to hunt the animals themselves. It would, you know, and it would only be the tamer wolves who would be near people at all. Yeah. Um, and these wolves started breeding, and then each generation became more tame. When humans and wolves both saw the advantage of being together, I kid you not, mm-hmm. then it was what I just said before, though it's, it's less obvious in modern times. A lot of dogs are unemployed now, but and unfortunately a lot of people too. But um, what happened is everybody did what they could do for survival. Yeah, that's how that's how life was. Right. So the dog, the 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 new subspecies dog could help in the hunt, and and then eat leftovers, and they could keep each other warm, and the the young pups could be pets for the children, and it and as things developed, and as humans developed, they began to find new ways to employ the dog and breed them. The dogs that had talent in that area breed them to each other, and that's how breeds began. That's how we got, you know, beagles and terriers and right. and, and retrievers, et cetera. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So our, our animals are, you said they're, um, I'm going to back up a minute. You said their instincts are passed down to them by their wild wolf ancestors. Um, yes. Absolutely. And then their personalities, characters, and responses to us in the world they live in, and even by the games they play, are informed and colored by the work they originally bred to do. Right, because that's what about. began to change their character and their appearance. Uh, yes. Right. Was was the work they were bred to do? Right. So their so, function. So now, what's interesting about a working dog is that the classic work for a border collie is herding sheep. Mm-hmm. And the the book is written in alternating chapters with Denise Wall, who bred my dog uh-huh. and kept one puppy from the litter herself. Okay. And so there, the chapters alternate between May growing up on the farm, that was the puppy she kept, and Skye growing up in New York City. So their, their environments are totally different. Mm-hmm. And and how they each learn to become part of the world that they live in. And one of the things that dogs are expert at is molding themselves to human existence so that some of them live on boats and some of them live in, in you know, where there's snow all the time and some of them live in the hot south and some of them hunt and some of them do something else. Some of them hang out with the kids and play, and, right. and they they're just expert at at reading our minds and knowing what we need and adjusting to whatever environment we're in. Yes. And so Sky had to leave this quiet little farm and adjust to New York City, which she did within a few days, mm-hmm. and and grow up to a totally different kind of job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of this, has just made me remember these are herding dogs. Yes. Right. The border collies are herders, and I know a lot of people who have border collies in their family. Uh, they get in trouble because they don't understand how to help their dog satisfy the 
instinct and the need to hurt, the need to to do that kind of thing. Can you speak to that? Well, people people ask me all the time if Sky tries to hurt me or yeah. hurt my family or hurt my grandchildren or stuff like this, uh-huh. and she doesn't because Sky has a job that she understands. Ah, uh, okay. And she is able to use her talents and her abilities in a job that she knows and that she knows is serious. And this is one of the super things about dogs. They not only learn jobs, but they know when they're doing them well and they have pride when they're doing them well. Yeah. And th- and this is this is something um that they that they want and need to have a complete life, to have a balanced life. Yeah. So suppose someone wants a border collie because they're wonderful dogs and mm-hmm. yeah. They don't have sheep, and they're lucky, and they don't have a disability. Then this is not a breed that you want to, you know, take around the block and then leave home all day. They're they're too energetic, and they're too smart. So they both things need to be addressed. They need to work their minds and their bodies. But there are others. Some people have border collies, and the dogs are happy, and the people are happy, and the people do agility with the dogs. Yes. Right. They just they need to do something that they will view as work. Yes. And they will view agility as work. It doesn't mean they're not having fun. I think Sky loves her job more than anything in the world. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um So and this is true, you know, this is true for other dogs too. I mean maybe if you have a golden and you live near a, a pond or or an ocean or a river or whatever, mm-hmm. uh having a ball thrown into the water that you bring back is is reminiscent, shall we say, of of bringing ducks back. Mm -hmm. So there are many ways to make a dog happy. Even obedience work is work for a dog. And and I remember early on when I was, you know, training, maybe the first few years I was training, that I I noticed when um, I had a golden at that time, when he got stressed, Mm -hmm. if I took five minutes, like sometimes he'd get stressed because I was having a party, and it was like a lot of people, and it was just mm-hmm. too much energy and too much whatever, and he was very young. Mm-hmm. I would take him outside in the air, mm-hmm. and I would work him for five minutes, mm-hmm. sit, heal, stay, whatever, good boy, bring him back in, and he was fine. Yeah. You you made his world stable again. <laughs> yeah. A little, yeah. A little bit of balance. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And and so there are many many ways to have a happy life with a dog, and fortunately you don't have to be disabled to do it. Thank God. <laughs> yes. Well, and so but I, but I think a lot of people who don't know they can get help and who don't know that this is actually legal now, um, uh, that this book could really change their lives in a very profound way. Uh, speak a little more about that. I, I, I'd love to hear more of your personal story. Um, and also how you see this changing. What what do you see that's new and different that people need to know about? In about service dogs, I didn't. Or I'm, I'm sorry, I gave you too many questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I know, I'm full of curiosity. I'm like, tell me everything. Like, just download it. Tell us uh, everything, right? <laughs> everything, everything. Um, let's start with your personal story um, of um, you know of how this helped you and how you discovered it. Um, and then I want to wind up with um, helping other people know how to get help, what they need to know, how that that, how, that kind of thing. Okay. Well, what happened with me, as I said, is that since I always feel good when I'm with my dog, or even if I see a dog across the street, uh, you know, I just yeah. I it just this I was taught to walk by the family dog, and I just really got hooked on them, like you know Conrad <laughs> Conrad Lorenz and the geese. You know, that's that was it for me. You know, I love it. So. Um, 
I didn't really think about it too much. And also when you're in really bad pain, yeah. you're not being analytical. And when the pain goes away, you're just so happy you just go back to living ah, again. And yeah. so I went on this way with Dexter for for a long time. Uh, I noticed interesting things like sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night in pain and he 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 was a big, big dog, so he slept on a dog bed rather than mm-hmm. in our bed, mm-hmm. which he would have taken up all of. Yeah. And what he would, and I opened my eyes, and he'd be sleeping on his bed. It was like three in the morning, uh-huh. and I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't do anything. I would just be feeling horrible, uh-huh. and he would wake up as if I had called him or tapped him or whatever, and he'd come over and he'd come into bed and do spoons with me. Mm. And either we'd both fall asleep and he'd still be there in the morning, which was fine, mm-hmm. or sometimes I'd be awake and the pain would go way down, mm-hmm. and he would sigh, you know, job well done, uh-huh. and he would go back to his bed. Wow. So it was clear that he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. And uh, at one point we... uh decided to go to England and uh, he was not he was not a legal service dog and we had neighbors who adored him Uh and they said they'd take care of him so he'd be right down the hall and Uh uh we went to England for a few weeks and I was in pain every single day oh boy and in the middle of the trip I I mean I'm I'm not as smart as a dog. I'm just a person. <laughs> it took me to the middle of the trip to go, oh, God, what's different here? Uh-huh, uh-huh. What's different here? And I realized that Dexter was helping me incredibly more than I realized, just incredibly more, that he was helping me to function and be in the world, which is which is all everybody wants and deserves. So when I came home, I'm not a speed demon. When I came home, I took a year uh, I went to uh, Delta Society meetings. I read everything online. I read the ADA as it applies to service dogs because uh-huh. no one mentioned Crohn's disease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make sure that I was requesting to do something that would be within the law. Mm-hmm. And after a year and speaking to a lot of people, I I felt that it was. Yeah. And I had him registered as a service dog. Wow. And And so that was the beginning. And... I have continued to learn more and more of of how the dogs help me. I mean, one of the things that happens is the disease actually exacerbates less because I'm with the dog all the time. So, in other words, I'm getting like a, if you think of it like, you know, they have patches like they use for pain or mm-hmm. not smoking or whatever, mm-hmm. it's almost like I have this little patch on me, except yeah. the patch is my dog next to me, yeah. who is keeping my body chemistry in a, in a, in better condition than it would be if I were by myself. So if I'm stressed, I'm less stressed. If I'm in pain, I'm in, in less pain. And it just, it has for many, many years now, Sky's my fourth surface dog. Wow. Has for many, many years now just helped me to, to function incredibly better than I was doing for the first few decades when I was on my own. And the other thing which is very specific to me, which I don't talk about in the book because I don't want to influence other people. I could I could say it this way because I'm going to say this is very specific to me, is that I'm intolerant of most medication. Uh-huh. Yes. And so the dog is really a double godsend for me. Wow. Wow. So now, um, I assume you know this, but, I mean, dogs also will... 
Another example would be that they will uh, alert uh, the, an oncoming epileptic seizure. Yes. And so the person with epilepsy can take medication. I have, I've actually met a seizure alert dog because one of the mystery centers on, on a character with, with a seizure alert dog. Uh-huh. So okay. I was doing a lot of research. And what I said to him is at that point I didn't know anything about epilepsy and now I know more than I want to know. <laughs> but he, he, uh, I said, well, why don't you just take the medication every day? And he said, because it knocks me out. Uh-huh. Which yeah. now seems so obvious to me. Of course it would do that because yeah. they, they use all kinds of sedatives and whatever right. to to prevent and stop seizures. Right. And no, so the, the dog would do that. And he had yeah. gotten a dog because he was lonely because his epilepsy was so bad that it was dangerous for him to go out alone. Mm. And so he was stuck in the house and he got himself a little dachshund. Oh. And a mini dachshund. A mini. And the first time he had a seizure... He was outside and the, he fell and the, um, the dog got frightened, I think, from him falling. Yeah. And, and like started to run away and turned around and came back and licked his face and stayed with him until he woke up. And after that, he noticed because he was with somebody and he was told that's what the dog did. Mm-hmm. And after that, he noticed that the dog would get really agitated and whiny and, look into his face or whatever, and that meant that a seizure was coming mm, and okay. that the dog was dead on. Yeah. Wow. So that's another another example of how people can get profound help from a dog. Yes. Of course, the other side of it is all dogs require not only love and good food and, and some training, whatever, they, re- they require thought and care. Yeah. And with service dogs, it's ratcheted up a little because of the stressfulness of their jobs. Right. And it's not like they're walking around in stress all the time. If they get a chance a little bit every day mm-hmm. to, to run or do whatever, play ball, whatever it is that helps them drop the stress, then they're fine. Right, recharge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And don't we all need a break from our job? Right. Well, the, the break, they may be with you and they may have an ear to you, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Always. Uh, but they're doing something that's like fast and fun or, or whatever it is. And right. Right. somebody asked me, when people get angry at me when I don't let them pet my dog, mm-hmm. when she's in her cape, it's, uh-huh. too, it's too distracting. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it with epilepsy, uh, uh, in my case, I would merely suffer. But <laughs> if you look at it with <laughs> epilepsy, if the dog's uh-huh. paying attention to someone else, right. they won't notice that a seizure is coming. And sometimes it's a, sometimes it's like a 20-minute warning, but sometimes it's only a five-minute warning. And that right. five minutes, if the dog is being right. handled and cooed at by somebody else, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you could end up with a broken wrist lying on the ground right. or, or worse. Right. So um, service dogs should not be handled when they're working, and people sometimes get annoyed at me because they want to pet my dog. Sure. And and one woman says, doesn't she ever get away from you? Doesn't she ever have a vacation? <laughs> the thing is, we take our dogs to the last vacation with New Orleans and Memphis. Uh-huh. The one before that, she was in Nova Scotia running on the beaches. You know, uh-huh. She's with me but on vacation because we all need a vacation, and we do we it together. Do. We do, but, uh, but you know what I find with our dogs too is that they don't really want a vacation. Not that their, kind. Not a, I mean, if she, if she was away purpose. from me, she'd be miserable. Yeah, she would. Uh, miserable. That's purpose. It's what she's here to do. It's right, right, right. It's her joy. I mean, yeah. she's not doing it. I, 
I write about something in the book that yeah. always struck me as peculiar. It's a, um, I I go to a wonderful gym in New York City called mm-hmm. Chelsea Piers, and they have this. It's built on a on a uh, pier that sticks out into the Hudson River, and at the end of the pier is is the pool where I swim. Uh-huh. So I can from the pool I can see the Statue of Liberty. And oh, cool! Ooh. It's re- it's really lovely. It's just oh. a wonderful wonderful place to be. Love it. But I, what I always wondered is why my service dogs love going there. It strikes me as totally boring. <laughs> they get a nice walk there. I, you know, uh-huh. I walk so that's their, they get exercise. Uh-huh. And, and then they wait for me to change and they wait for me to swim and then they wait uh-huh. for me to sit in the hot tub and they wait for me to shower. They wait for me to get dressed. And sometimes if I have time, they wait for me to have lunch and then we go uh-huh. home. <laughs> and why would this be interesting to a dog? But, but now through three service dogs who have gone there with me, they are ecstatic when that's where we're going. And I think it's because you had said they love their job. It's a heightened responsibility Uh when it's just me and the dog. So when we go there, my husband's not there, the other dog's not there. It's just just me and Skye now. Uh uh And and that's the thing that's so interesting is they understand these concepts. Yes, they do. And react to them by by feeling really important and really alert. Yes. Um, Flash used to stay at the side of the pool, which was really funny. And I would swim in the lane right where he was. If I didn't, if it wasn't open, I'd wait for it. Uh-huh. And so I could stop swimming in the middle and give him a kiss and stuff uh-huh. like that. Uh-huh. But it meant that he watched me swim like he was watching a very, very, very slow tennis game. <laughs> it was really funny. It was really funny. <laughs> for for Sky, she doesn't like being there, so she's at the foot of the pool, so she just has to look up, and I'm going back and forth. <laughs> anyway, I'm grabbing up your whole your whole show here. So. Oh, that's just wonderful, wonderful. Um, uh, I have some questions. Um, do you think any dog can do this? Really? I mean, I, I know you mentioned earlier that if they're an obvious breed, that you know. No, I, I don't think there's an obvious breed, and I think that a service dog would uh, a border collie would make a poor service dog for most people. They're just they're just too active, and that becomes very very demanding. For me, uh, it just works. Yeah. It works, and I I can't yeah. even picture myself. You know, with with anything but a border collie. Uh-huh. Uh Okay. I think border collies are used for the deaf, I believe, because what they do then is, if someone rings your doorbell, they run between the door and the person to let them know where the noise is. Uh-huh. So it's a very active kind of job, uh-huh. and I think they've used border collies or border collie mixes for that. But by and large, <clears throat> like for instance, if someone's going to work. They want a dog like a lab or golden who lie next to the desk or under the desk. And that's why they use most of these dogs for, for guide dogs. Yes. And they yes, believe, yes. they breed them to be pretty placid. <clears throat> yes, yes. So I, I'm not saying no, if you have Crohn's disease, run out and get a border collie. I, I have a friend who has a, a lab. He started with German shepherds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and now he's got a yellow lab and the shepherds and the lab both were just wonderful for him. Okay. He's a big guy. He couldn't work with a dog as small as mine yeah. because sometimes if he's in pain, he has a balance problem and he wants uh-huh. a dog that can brace him. Right. So the size of the dog depends on your size and what your needs are and what your speed is when you're walking. And 
like everything else in life, there's a lot of luck involved. I can't tell you that get a mini dachshund if you have, you know, mm-hmm. seizures or do this. It's, it's, I think basically you need a dog that, um, is it, is attentive to people. Yeah. You, you don't want a dog who's, uh, whose brain is all in his nose, who's, you know, who's kind of out there like totally distracted by every bird that flew by in the last hundred years, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that's impossible, but that would be kind of, uh, a, a more difficult, yeah, a, a more difficult way to go. And so breeds like border collies and German shepherds, the retrievers also, they're really bred to work, we're back to the work function. They're bred to work with people so that they pay attention to, in their case, the game, let's say, and, and the person. This is very true. Um, I didn't even talk about that. My, I did a little bit, my, my writing partner's dog. You could see all these things when she talks about the fact that, uh, herding is a three-way thing. The dog has to pay attention to its own instincts, mm-hmm. to the human handler, and to the sheep. And any dog that has like two out of the three or something is not going to be a good herding dog. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. need, you need the whole thing. You need that package. Yes. So, um, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I, this is the most difficult thing. There's no formula where I could tell somebody, um, how to find the right dog. Okay. I, I know what to do once you have the dog. And my feeling is you want a, a, a dog that pays good attention to human beings or that's, or whose work function was to work closely with people. I think that's probably the best bet, but okay. it's not the only way to go. Okay. And and then the most important thing, other than that, is to be with that dog all the time. Okay. And and some people don't want to do that. Yeah. They don't want to be with a dog all the time. Every time I would leave my dog, what would be the message? The message would be, "See you later. I don't need you." Uh huh. Uh huh. So um, yeah. there's hardly an hour, a a year that I would be away from her. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to give her that message. Yeah, yeah, I understand. So, and that's that's the other side of it. Is that's the message you do want to give the dog, and you do want to pay attention to. You, you need to understand what the steps would look like for the dog to give you what you need, and the first step might not look anything like the end mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's a journey. But you need to be able to praise that first step. And what I did with Flash was the first time he noticed. It was very clear to me that he was noticing mm-hmm. that I was in pain, <laughs> lay on the floor <laughs> uh-huh. in the fetal position saying, good boy, ow, ow, good ow. boy, good boy. <laughs> and he uh-huh. took it from there. Ah, That was it. He got, got the it. message got in it. one shot. It was just amazing. Wow. I love that. Um, I, I just want to throw in a bit from my end and my work. One of the things I do, Carol, is I communicate with the animals. So... Uh, if we find a dog, it's one of the things I always tell people, if you're going to get a dog, talk to them first and be sure that they understand what the job is going to be. That's fantastic. Yeah, what their life looks like, negotiate the rules, you know. Be Absolutely. Sure that, yeah, be sure that there's a purpose, a commonality and purpose that draws the two, two together. And they do see this. Yeah. And they do understand it. Yes. And and yes, uh, you can't be of two minds about it. You have to be clear because the dog will pick up your message. Yes. Absolutely, uh, and they, they think more than we know. 
What is the form that you get information from dogs? How does it come to you? Is it a, is it a picture? Is it a feeling? Is it a? Um, I, all of the above. Um, okay. Um, I am primarily visual, but I also okay. feel the feeling. I'm empathic, so I can feel how they feel in their own body. Um, mm-hmm. And then I also hear their thoughts. So we share concepts. We, you know, they can uh, show me stories. Um, they can ask questions. So we when you when you say you you hear their thoughts is again are you talking about seeing like a little movie or uh, are you hearing words? Yeah, sometimes. And one of the things I teach my students is you know to use the movie uh, with the visualization technique, which is really excellent and very easy for a lot of people. Um, but when I hear them, I would hear another animal as clearly as I hear your voice. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I've had some of this experience. I've had, uh, when I've been training, particularly with a dog that's, that's frightened, I get that little movie and one dog in particular was, uh, was found. Uh, Uh, so nobody knew her history. Uh And she was adopted not by the person who found her, but by friends of theirs. And Uh they, uh, hired me to work with her years ago. And she was afraid in New York City sometimes to get to the services of a huge building. The stairs are outside. So if the building is locked, the electric service, whatever, can still, they can still go and check on it. And she wouldn't walk by any of those. She was absolutely terrified. Uh So she was small enough for me to lift. Yeah, and I, I, we, we were on a block where the sidewalk is very, very wide, mm-hmm. so I could pass the stairs, but not really be near them. And what I, what I intended to do was to put her down so that many feet away from us was the middle of the staircase, which was, which was going um, perpendicular to, to where we were, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to where we'd be facing. And then either way she walked, she would be passing them, but, but. F- from a whole sidewalk away. Mm-hmm. And when I lifted her and she saw the stairs, I saw this horrible little movie of someone throwing her down a flight of stairs. Oh, Lord. Yeah. And uh, we we got her through it very quickly. Uh-huh. I think partly because when I lifted her and the stairs were there, we, we were pressed together. You know, mm-hmm. our, yes. our hearts were beating together. Yes. And, um, and partly because the guys who adopted her just adored her and they... They followed instructions and they did all the good stuff I asked them to do, and yeah. mm-hmm. she turned out to be absolutely fine from yeah. having a wretched, wretched beginning. Yes, yeah, I totally understand. But you know, communicating with our animals, letting them tell us their stories, helps us helps them number one because now they're heard. You know how it is when you've got a, a tragedy or a trauma that you can't tell anybody about mm-hmm. that nobody knows. It, it's yes. worse. It's horrible. Um, but if you can just share your heart with somebody, then it's like, oh, I can let that go, you know. Well, I have to tell you something. Yeah. That's how I was for the first 30 years. I had Crohn's disease. Yeah. Uh, the doctors at that time uh, said this disease and many, many, many other diseases were the fault of the people who suffered from them. What? I was told, yes. Oh, my God. That's what medicine did then. Anything uh. was like like ulcers or anything like that, they said it was your fault. Yeah. And so I was ashamed to tell anybody. Oh, and sorry. Yeah. eventually eventually, I would tell, you know, people who were very close to me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, quite a few years ago, a friend of mine who was blind, and I had talked to her about this because I was using a service dog and we were comparing notes, you know, on, yeah. on, on using a service dog. Yeah. And she said to me, you know... 
if you wrote about it, you could help people. Yes, you could. And so I wrote an article in Bark Magazine at that mm-hmm. point. And uh-huh. That's when I that's when I came out of the closet. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was a beginning, and I heard from people and and was able to help people, and that was great. And now with the book, I feel like I've really done it. I've really yeah. done it. Yes. <laughs> Woo! Oh, I have so now delighted. become the, the poster child. <laughs> As I said to the publisher, I'm now the poster child for diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> Bad intestines, you know. Yeah, oh, man. But um, but oh, at this so point glad. in my life, I feel that if that if I could share the story that's in Deborah Collie's Dream of Sheep, then uh-huh. Uh-huh. then I've done something really really good. You have blessed all the rest of us with your Thank journey, you. and I'm so sorry your journey has been so difficult and so hard. Well, I I don't know if anyone has got an easy time, frankly. Well, that's true. Every, everybody's got stuff. <laughs> we do. I don't I don't feel sorry for myself. Everybody's got stuff. Everybody has things. They, I many 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 years ago, before as a dog trainer, I was a teacher, uh-huh. and and uh, I taught first in public school and then in private school. And in private school, from the surface, from the outside, you would think these are, these kids are so blessed and so lucky and so uh-huh. rich, and the parents were famous, and that you know, uh-huh. and every single one of them at some point sat on my lap and cried and told me, yeah. you know, horrible things they had to live with, and yeah. some were not so, you know, not horrendous, and some were pretty horrendous. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank God for dogs and yes. each other and <laughs> and yeah. other animals. You know. Somebody very wise put us on earth and, and gave us dogs to make up for all the stuff we'd have to go through. <laughs> well, you know do- what dog spell backwards is, right? <laughs> yes, I do. Our, our little, our furry angel friends in, in, uh, in disguise. Yeah. Not in disguise, I think. Yeah. All right. So let's tell people how they can get a copy of your fabulous book and uh, how they can contact you. Okay. So how can they reach you? They they can reach me at my blog, which has okay. lots and lots of good information about uh, dogs. Great. And the address of the blog is www.clbenjamin.wordpress.com. Okay. Um, also, if you go to where my old uh, website was, it will now take you to the blog. So that's in case anyone doesn't have a pencil and they don't remember, it's uh-huh. com. And that will also take you to the blog, and you can read and find out all kinds of stuff about okay. training your own dog, about house training the Christmas puppy, about, you know, whatever, about service dogs. I just write about anything that has to do with dogs and the way they relate to us and, and are part of our lives. I love that. And, gonna... Yeah, and you can leave a comment right. um, if you want to, and uh, right. to to buy the book. Uh, the book is available only online, so it's available from BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon.com, and uh, from the publisher. Uh, the publisher is on Facebook also, so it's either OutrunPress.com or OutrunPress on on Facebook. And okay. the book comes in two versions. Okay. There's a reasonably priced one that's black, where the pictures and drawings are black and white, but the mm-hmm. story's the same. Okay. And there's a deluxe version where the photographs and the drawings are all in full color. Beautiful. So depending on what's in your wallet, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can do it one way or another. Go for it. Um, and so yeah. let me just want to repeat all that so people, if you didn't get the chance to write it down um, or have a chance now, grab your pen and pencil. It's C L. 
benjamin.wordpress.com. Or if you want to go to the old site, if you can remember it more easily, it's Carol Lee, L-E-A, Benjamin.com. Leave a comment and get your book, Do Border Collies Dream of Sheep? Um, and any of your other books, uh, you will not go wrong with Carol's work. She does such a brilliant job. Um, and her mystery series is fun, too. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks so much, Val. You're so welcome, Carol. Thank you for your time. Thank you for everything you're doing to help us all. You're very welcome. And Thanks most of again. all, for your love of dogs. All right. Uh, that came naturally. <laughs> it did. Yeah. I can tell. All right, my dear. Well, I will talk to you later. Thank you again. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Bye, Carol. Thanks for listening to the show. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, go to valhart.com forward slash blog. And if you're someone who values a non-invasive, holistic solution to resolving problems with your dogs, cats, and horses, and you want better behaved, healthier, and happier animals, just go to my website at valhart.com to apply for a complimentary happy animal assessment session. And be sure and remember to look for my CDs on iTunes. Learning how to talk with animals is fun and will change your life. So while you're there at my site, get my free Quick Start Animal Talk course and check out the world's first complete animal communication made easy system. May the love of animals bless you, teach you, inspire you, heal you, and reconnect you to the circle of life. <laughs>